0: Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. I am Jake Fenner. I'm excited to be bringing you this episode today off the back of two interesting wins for Bayern Munich. I am joined by my brother-in-arms, Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing on this fine day?
1: Well, I am somewhere in the middle. Obviously very happy that Bayern are back in the win column uh, with their last two wins, but... May or may not have not even started any of my Christmas shopping yet. And it's a couple of days away. And when I say may or may not, I definitely mean that I definitely have not started it Uh, so it's going to be a very hectic weekend um, and start to next week as we roll into Christmas and the new year and then obviously I'm slightly depressed that the uh, the winter pause is almost on us because that means there's going to be no Byron until mid-January and I'm not happy about that but I hope everyone listening out there uh, enjoys their holidays uh, whichever holiday you celebrate um, and I hope you enjoy listening
0: Unfortunately, that winter pause is coming up, but before we get into that winter pause, we still have one more game against Wolfsburg, which we'll talk about on an episode of Der Ausblick, which we will be releasing on Saturday, but that's for another time. For now, we are going to talk about the game against Werder Bremen first, followed by the game against Freiburg that just recently happened, and then, of course, we will be talking some of the questions that you have posed to us on Twitter via the hashtag AskBPW. So let's start out with that game against Bremen. It was a game Bayern really needed to win in order to not only support their chances in the league, but also to just give them the confidence that they needed to go forward. And I don't think that a scoreline like 6-1 can deflate this team Werder Bremen did score first with Milo Rashika scoring in the 24th minute, but then it was rapid succession after that. Philippe Coutinho scored his first of a hat trick in the 45th minute with Robert Lewandowski making it 2-1 in added time just before the half started, and then... 63rd minute Philippe Coutinho, 72nd minute Robert Lewandowski, 75th minute Thomas Müller, 78th minute Philippe Coutinho again with an absolutely beautiful curling ball into the side of the net, 6-1 being the final score. It was great, as I mentioned, a great momentum win. It was just really... Strengthen the resolve of this Bayern Munich team, which has been struggling throughout this entire season. Tom, what did you think about this performance? And do you think that this was exactly what they needed to spring forward and give new life to this Bundesliga campaign?
1: Well, the result itself, yes, 100% definitely is the kind of emphatic scoreline that we needed to kind of get ourselves out of this funk. And you know, catapult ourselves forward and, and close out the hindrance to strong, but it's kind of a tricky one and a bizarre one for me because especially in the first half, you know, I, I really don't think uh, Bayern were playing all that well. You know, I've re- I kind of think back to uh, the loss against Leverkusen and the loss against Borussia Mönchengladbach, where the story in both of those two games was, you know, complete dominance or I should say mostly dominance from Bayern and just so many chances in front of goal without us. Uh, being able to convert them, and pretty much is the reason why we lost either of those games. And in this one, it's almost kind of backwards. We made the most of our opportunities, but didn't necessarily play all that well. And you know, as I just mentioned, particularly in the first half, I I don't think uh, Flick maybe got the the lineup right. Um, I think Florian Kohfeldt's game plan was very clear. I think it was obvious that you know he had kind of instructed Osako and uh, Rishika, You know as soon as we win the ball, break forward as quickly as you can. And I th- I think probably in the center of his pre-match game board was as soon as we can win back possession, spring these guys forward um, and try and get the ball to them as quickly as you as you can, catching Bayern on their heels and in those spaces in between the attacking line. You know especially with the uh, the fact that both Thiago and Kimmich, who had started as the holding midfielders, they really Love to roam forward and join in on the attack. And that's kind of how Rashika's goal uh, came with with Bayern losing possession. And I think that things, yes, I would say that they slightly changed when we got the two goals just before going into the break. I think that had we not got those two goals just before um, the halftime break, this this one may or may not have turned out a little bit differently. But I think Bayern completely came out um, a lot better in the second half. Uh, and I hate to say it because I hate to single out uh, any one player, but I think when Boateng went off um, tactically, this, this kind of changed the way Bayern was playing, and I think there was uh, a lot of improvement. You know, I was kind of disappointed with guys like uh, Leon Goretzka. I thought for just too many periods of the game, he just kind of went missing. Uh, and He's one guy. I'm always on his side. I love to see him do well. I think he's a workhorse. But uh, for me, when Boateng came off, basically what happened was uh, Kimmich went from the midfield, was pushed back to his, well, <laughs> what some would argue, his natural right-back position, and this, uh, in turn, pushed Benjamin Pavard back into his center-back position alongside David Alaba, with obviously Alphonso Davies on, on the left, and one of the things I really liked about this was this gave uh, Philippe Coutinho a bit more freedom, and obviously, he was the man of the match in in this performance, and he was able to sit a little bit deeper, as he so often did in his time at Liverpool in his final season when Jurgen Klopp decided to make that switch and play him as one of the middle three in a 4-3-3 system when Liverpool were making that push for the top four finish at the end of the 2016-2017 season. And I think we all saw how much more effective he was. And then to follow up on that, I think Hansi Flick should really take note of just how much better Bayern even got after that when he introduced Thomas Muller into the game. I believe it was the 70th minute that he brought him on. Uh, for Goretzka, and I think it was literally the span of maybe 10 or 11 minutes that we had scored three goals after he had come on, one of which he had uh, scored and one of which he had assisted to uh, Robert Lewandowski with a finely lofted ball. Um, And so I think that with those switches, um, and again, I know that we had wrote about um, the argument that was spotted off-camera by Build, I think it was either Build or Sport Build, uh, where Kimmich was basically having a go at Boateng sure enough, days later, there's reports of his agent saying that Boateng definitely wants to leave during the winter transfer window. Uh, And as I said, as much as I'd hate to kind of point the finger and have a scapegoat, I mean, it's just one of those instances when Boateng went off, everything changed for the better. Uh, And I really wonder what exactly it was, you know, Kimmich, Kimmich was saying to him in that confrontation. You know, I went back, watched game film. I couldn't exactly pinpoint where it had occurred. Obviously, it was some point in the first half, but... I'm not sure if it was maybe Kimmich giving him an earful for, you know, not getting to the right space on time, playing a long diagonal ball too quickly as he sometimes likes to do instead of playing a more simpler option. But uh, again, I think Hansi Flick should really uh, take note of what happened when he, A, brought Muller on and, you know, B, when he made those tactical switches.
0: Looking at the obvious man of the match for this one, Philippe Coutinho, he scores his first hat trick in Germany in a Bayern uniform, and it's just a beautiful hat trick. All three goals were really well built up, phenomenally finished. And he just really seemed to bring back that magic of old, that magic that you saw, Tom, at Liverpool, that fans at Barcelona saw in his first couple of months there before his form somewhat dropped off. This is something that we have yet to see from Philippe Coutinho. Yes, of course, he always contributes to the offense, and he does a very good job at that. But in the volume that he did in this game, that's not something that we've seen before. And the quality of chances was very high as well. Not only just the three goals, but he put forth some really, really good chances that came super close to making this more than a 6 1 game. So, looking at his performance, how do you think that he can be able to take this and build on that for the uh, Rook Runda and, of course, the final game against Wolfsburg?
1: You could even argue whether it's a Bayern shirt, Barcelona shirt, or a Liverpool shirt. I think, you know, obviously, as being someone who's seen pretty much all of his performances for Liverpool, this was quite arguably one of his best performances ever uh, at a club level. And I think that he'll take every bit of confidence from this, uh, especially in the sense of, as you mentioned, you know, he did have the three goals, but there were other chances, and they were quality chances. And that's something that you want to see a creative midfielder like Coutinho uh, do. I, th- I think when he first started here, uh, the first couple of you know, shifts he was given by Niko Kovac, uh, what I kind of saw there was maybe a bit too much reliance to try and pick out Lewandowski or to pick out Gnabry or have Linka play with Coman if they were all on the pitch at the same time together. And now with this performance like this, you know, and all the performances building up to it in recent weeks, just so much more uh, freedom and creativity, which is where he really thrives. Um, And I think he's really shown uh, that effervescence, if you will, um, in the sense that he can be played you know as a deeper midfielder not not quite a defensive midfielder but he he can prove you know his effectiveness from a slightly deeper position but he's also effective you know from one of those uh more advanced wide midfield positions you know it, whether it's filling in for Coman if he's hurt Gnabry uh, Parasich, whatever it may be and i think that that uh, ability to coexist in either of those positions makes him so uh so effective and just what he can do on the ball uh, from either of those positions, especially when he has a guy like Lewandowski playing in front of him. Um, and as I mentioned before, I, I think that the the level of performance increases when both um, Muller and Lewandowski are playing alongside Coutinho, or not alongside, excuse me, but you know, in that same attacking line, and I think that that's something that Flick will definitely will have taken note of, Um, and will probably be utilizing uh, a lot more in the Rook Runda, even when uh, Kingsley Coman comes back from his injury.
0: So, with that, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will look at the midweek fixture against Freiburg. Welcome back, and now we are going to take another After 90 Minutes look at the game on Wednesday against Freiburg, which was a little bit too close for comfort for Bayern Munich. The final score was 3-1, but if you took a look at that scoreline and you took a look at the game, it's it tells two incredibly different stories. The first goal came for Bayern Munich very early, just under 20 minutes into the game, it was a great goal by Robert Lewandowski, but all of the credit for that one really has to go to Alfonso Davies, who just bombed up the wing, was able to hurtle over a defender who put in a really good slide tackle. He just sent a ball right across for Louie, who all he had to do was just stick his foot out to tap it in and make it 1-0. And then the story from that moment on was Bayern Munich failing to really cover at the back and just continued to try to score unnecessarily, like, uh, Tekkers-worthy goals. Like, a lot of dribbling, a lot of trying to uh, make things look pretty instead of standing in the middle and trying to get headers off like he does best or create space like he does best. Robert Lewandowski just tried to... Dribble at the defense, and a lot of times it just looked super sloppy. A lot of Byron's chances went over the bar or went wide, and it got to the point that Freiburg was able to tie it up in around the 50th minute, thanks to a cross, because Joshua Kimmich was caught sleeping at the back. He wasn't able to go and cover and mark the man that he should have had, uh, Grifo, who was able to just take that cross one time and put it right in the back of the net. and it, For a while, I honestly took a look at this and thought that Bayern Munich wasn't going to get out of here with more than just one point. And then, in a move that kind of surprised me, Joshua Xerxy from The Netherlands came on for Philippe Coutinho, and I was just very confused, and it did not make any sense to me, and I was just thinking, oh God, why are you putting this kid on with not much time left? Well, apparently Hansi Flick knows more than we all do, which probably makes sense, but the kid went on and scored in his debut for Bayern Munich's senior side, his first game in the Bundesliga, his first touch, sent the ball 5-hole underneath the keeper, 2-1 for Bayern, and then the icing on the cake comes from the chef himself, Serge Gnabry, makes it 3-1, Bayern's final away day of 2019 wraps up with a win. Bayern now sit third in the table. They are four points behind Borussia Mönchengladbach, who are second behind RB Leipzig on goal difference. So they both have 34 points. Bayern have 30. They will not be able to enter the Rookrunde in first place or in second place, but they can catch up this weekend. So, Tom, what were your thoughts on this game against Freiburg? Because I just watched it. It just seemed really sloppy and it seemed like byron was trying to do too much with the ball at all times
1: too many portions of this game uh in my mind i was just thinking far too cagey you know especially in the period uh in and around vincenzo grifo's uh, equalizer i just thought that byron completely lost uh, whatever grip they had had on the game you know in those periods and a lot of what i saw you know, in those periods, is just too many individuals. I want to say, as you mentioned, Lewandowski at times trying to dribble through three or four players when there would, you know, be a much much easier, perhaps more conservative option available to him. You know, it could be the argument that you know he's just kind of is putting his head down and you know trying to take his defenders on, and you might not see the options that are available But that. In of itself, is a problem, especially uh, in a match where uh, Christian Strike. You know he had his defensive line and midfield units so compact and so tight uh, to keep those spaces at a at a minimum for Bayern, so that they didn't have anything to really travel into, especially in and around uh, Freiburg's 18-yard box. It, looking at this from the get-go, too, it, it pretty much seems as if uh, Hansi Flick took the lineup that he basically was forced to switch to when Boateng came off in the second, or to start the second half, excuse me, uh, against Werder Bremen. It basically seems like that's the lineup he went uh, or he went for at the Stadion And mind you, he didn't have uh, Leon Goretzka available on the bench. And actually, uh, Javier Martinez, uh, Sven Ulrich, and uh, Boateng were the only uh, quote-unquote first-teamers that were available on the bench. So, you know, options uh, weren't necessarily at a premium for Hansi Flick. But um, in that same sense, you know, what worked so well against Werder Bremen... Uh, in the second half, you know when he made those te- tactical switches did not uh, exactly pan out um, as well as Flick would have probably hoped to uh, against Freiburg. I think uh, Christian Streich probably would have taken a lot of notes, especially from that first half against Werder Bremen where um, the first large portions they were successful in thwarting everything uh, you know Bayern you know wanted to do and and the style of play that they wanted to, Uh, achieve which is obviously most oftentimes possession-based football and I think especially in the first half you know even before and after Lewandowski's opener which by the way Alfonso Davies the more you just see his runs and bursts of pace it's not only how fast he can get to it's it's just how quickly he can accelerate and just you know get away from his defenders into open space and when you think he's not going to get to the ball he just does and fantastic cross it's kind of funny after he was uh you know, asked about that particular cross and that goal, and he he was basically like, yeah, you know, I actually didn't even see Lewandowski. I only saw Gnabry. I tried to pass to him, and then Lewandowski was just there, you know, with his prowess in front of goal, always has a nose for goal, and is always going to be there, Um, (laughs) which was just kind of funny, in my opinion, to hear. But, you know, it's (laughs) far too many times I just thought, while it might be the only option that you have, Bayern were playing just a lot of, like, long aerial Passes, which is not really something you want to see when you want to see a team, um, you know, especially Bayern, a possession-based team. And much as I said, like uh, Rashida's goal um, for Verderbremen against Werder Bremen, excuse me, against us, it just seems like Strike took those notes and just had had his side convert that uh, that game plan a lot better than Werder Bremen did. You know, with especially with Nils Peterson and Hurler uh, leading the line, you know, just get it forward as quickly as you can. It should only be a few seconds uh, where you turn defense into attack. And you know, Bayern are just so notorious for leaving those spaces in midfield. And I think that uh, Hansi Flick obviously saw that and addressed that and bringing Javi Martinez on uh, for Thomas Muller in the second half. But again, you know, especially after Grifo had um, had equalized, it just they've really, really struggled uh, to get a grip. Uh, On the game. And obviously, we did wind up getting those stoppage time goals and grinding out the result, but just far from convincing, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, I I guess if on a way three point, uh, excuse me, on a way three pointer, if it's going to be like that, then it's going to be like that, especially uh, given the way our season has gone and and how crazy the Bundesliga has been this season. But um, there's definitely a lot that needs to be worked on. And I really do think that one of the biggest uh, pieces is Hansi Flick figuring out that midfield in particular
0: we're going to take another break and when we get back we will touch on your audience questions in our segment hashtag and welcome back now we are going to get into our segment ask bpw where we take a look at your questions from twitter and answer them and as a reminder you can always submit questions to us using the hashtag #AskBPW. so tom why don't you go ahead and read that first question off to me
1: all right. So the first question we are going to tackle comes from at naivedia 2 who I believe we've used their questions before. Shout out to you for sending the questions in repetitively, and this is a really good one. So you got to get ready for this. So he says, "Do Bayern pay a hundred million for? Excuse me, a hundred million for a surefire experienced star uh, in Coutinho? Obviously, we know that his price tag, if we buy him permanently from Barcelona, is going to be really steep, or?" Do we go for a guy like Kai Havertz, a young but inexperienced at the highest level, um, and a little bit of a gamble on the future for roughly the same amount? What to you makes more sense for Bayern to do?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm really stumped on that one. Like, I don't, like... Logic to me says why not do both? Um, But... Of course, that's a high price tag, but then again, Bayern is a club with a lot of money, uh, though there are more pressing needs than the midfield at this moment. My whole concern is that uh, Philippe Coutinho can occupy more than one space, right? He can occupy center midfield, and he can also occupy the left wing. Though he does not do that much, we've seen him do it under Hansi Flick, um, but not as often as he occupies that number 10 role. Uh, Havertz meanwhile has been doing pretty well at Leverkusen this season and it also helps that he is a lot younger than uh than Philippe Coutinho so to me at least uh I would go with Havertz over Coutinho because I've seen I've seen Coutinho's uh basement right his his lowest point right his lowest point is him dribbling around a lot with the ball and then shooting it and not really contributing much I've yet to see Havertz's basement and none of us really have because he's relatively young um of course he is German which is going to play huge, at least in the board's perspective. To me, it doesn't really make a difference. But the other thing I want to add is that I don't know if just because he's had a really good season this year necessarily, that would mean that the price tag would be extraordinarily high. Barcelona would probably still occupy him in that left-wing position, even though he at least from when he's played at Bayern he looks really good at that uh, like center attacking midfielder role which they already have that pretty well covered with Arturo Vidal and uh, Ivan Rakitic so i don't know if they would necessarily reject an offer from Bayern for anywhere between 75 and 90 million because they have that uh That high release clause. So, logically, if we could get 75 for Havertz and 85 for Coutinho, that doesn't necessarily hurt Bayern Munich's bank so much and you could still go out there and make another purchase if you wanted to say maybe some more attacking talent to help uh Robert Lewandowski cuz Lord knows he can't do it all by himself even though we would all love him to and maybe we go out and get ourselves another defender it doesn't have to be a binary where you get one and you can't get the other i think There is room both in Bayern Munich's coffers and on Bayern Munich's field, especially as the squad gets older. That you can have both players there.
1: For me, with what I'm about to say to answer that question, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be very (laughs) exhausted of discussing this. But you know, I I hate to say it, but I think that a lot of this just has to do with the Leroy Sané sweepstakes. Recent reports, again, have surfaced saying that he absolutely wants to try and push for a move during this winter transfer window, even though he likely won't be able to uh, start playing again until the end of February, perhaps even the beginning of March. But I think a lot of this... Um, As far as Coutinho staying long-term and Bayern trying to activate that buyout clause depends on whether or not we acquire Leroy Sané. And if we do, if it's going to be for this winter or over the summer for him to become a Bayern player on July 1st um, for the next season. Uh, Not for nothing either, but I'd be curious to see if um, what happens, not so much in the winter transfer window, but perhaps even next summer, You know, I think Neymar had made it quite obvious that he wanted to leave Paris uh, and go back to Barcelona. So uh, I feel like a lot of Coutinho's possibility of potentially going back to Barcelona would be dependent upon a potential Neymar transfer. And obviously they might have to use some of the funds that they would presumably gain uh, from selling Coutinho to Bayern on a permanent basis to fund that Neymar deal. So uh, I think there's kind of a a bit of a triangle going on there that was already existing back in the summer after it was announced that we had purchased uh, Coutinho on this loan option from Barcelona. You know, is Neymar going to go back there from Paris? Are we going to acquire Sané from uh, Manchester City? What's going to happen with that? You know, so pretty much everything, as from a funds standpoint, especially from uh, a board and a club like Bayern, who are, you know, have long been staunch advocate or excuse me, uh, staunch critics—of paying more than you know, eighty million, ninety million euro for one player. You know, a lot of this remains to be seen. But you brought up a lot of good points with uh, with Kai Havertz. And the next question comes at us from at Chris underscore Manzini one. And he asks, with David Alaba presumably getting a contract extension soon and our defenders coming out of injury, obviously uh, Luca Hernandez and Nicolas Sula, do you think we will see Alfonso Davies play in his original position of left wing? Also, was his, excuse me, also with his insane form in his new role at left back under Hansi Flick, could he, find himself permanently playing as a left back for byron
0: i think it's possible i'm i'm also very curious to see what happens with fonzie uh he really has come into his own at this left back position he's really shown that he can stay there for a while you can see that his pace is obviously there. And, of course, just imagine what that pace would look like. As a winger, it would just be phenomenal. Um, Byron for right now, seem relatively set on the left wing, with that option to have Coutinho slide over, with Gnabry there, with Coman there as well. Um, what I think is interesting is that we're saying that when everybody comes back that it's just automatic that David Alaba is going to go back to playing left back. We we don't know what's in Hansi Flick's head right now. In my mind Alfonso Davies has just been absolutely on form in almost every single game that he's played left back. So maybe we keep Alaba as one of our options as a starting center back. You mentioned earlier in the pod, Tom, that Boateng was looking to leave. So if we have Benjamin Pavar as a backup center back instead of currently he's a starting center back, um, we can have Luca Hernandez and or Nicolas Sula as one of the other starting center backs alongside David Alaba in that central part of the field. Alaba also has some relative, uh, abilities to play center defensive midfielder. So if we need somebody in that deep lying number six role, instead of starting heavy Martinez, we can put, uh, we can put Alaba there and we could still keep a back line when everybody's healthy of something that looks like, Alfonso Davies, Luca Hernandez, uh, Nicolas Sula, and whoever decides to play right back that day, because Lord knows Joshua Kimmich doesn't. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see what the board does in the winter in regards with uh, right back at least, because I think that may clue in to what they're going to do with Davies, and here's why. If they don't really go after a right back and push after a right back, um, with an example being, let's say, Joao Cancelo from Manchester City, right? If he gets signed, then that means that Leroy Sané does not go in this transfer window, which means that Alfonso Davies could get that option on left wing, that he could get more playing time. If they don't, then who knows? We could get Sane. And then when Sane is healthy by February, that basically isolates Alfonso Davies out of being a left winger. So that's a move that I think would be incredibly interesting and important to watch. Um, to answer the question more directly, um, I really, I really don't know. Um, I like Fonzie on the field period, end of story. I think he's a great playmaker. He's really young. He's super pacey. I think he's possibly going to go down in history as one of, if not the greatest transfers from MLS to a European league ever because the only one other com- the only other one coming to my mind as of right now is Miguel Almiron, and he hasn't really done that well for Newcastle. Um, so I think that they're... I think there will be possibilities down the road as players naturally age out for Alfonso Davies to play left wing, but for now, I think that he's really good as a left back and well suited, and I think if you asked Fonzie, I imagine that he'd just be happy to get... The starting time with the senior team and show and prove himself week in and week out that he's a, a high quality player, and so far he's done exactly that. Yeah, I think
1: wherever any manager, whether it's Nico Kovac, Hansi Flick, or whoever our manager is moving forward in the long term future, I think that wherever Davies uh, is played, he would put his head down, put in a shift for you, and and absolutely give it his all, one hundred and ten percent. But for me, I'm actually curious as to why he hasn't yet been uh, deputized as a left winger, um, you know, especially considering the fact that uh, we now uh, are without Kingsley Coman until the start of the Rukurunda. I'm very surprised that Flick hasn't decided uh, to bump up uh, Davies to that left wing spot, especially when, you know, especially if Gnabry had to be arrested or perhaps even come off, you know, using Davies as a substitute on the left wing. You know he definitely bodes a lot more pace than uh, Ivan Perisic. Not to discredit Perisic, but um, it's obvious that Davies is a lot quicker than him and offers a lot more pace. And I think that that really could be a unique option for Flick and Bayern for uh, Davies to be deputized at that left wing position. And you know I, I would definitely love to see that moving forward. And I thought that you brought up an excellent point too. We can't just assume that uh, when both Hernandez and Sula return, they're just going to walk straight back into the starting 11. Obviously, Flick has struck an accord with the uh, the personnel that he's been using, um, and it's worked well. So, you know, you don't want to toy with that too much and break up the ebb and flow uh, of the squad. But I am of the opinion that I, I do think, you know, as you mentioned, Boateng... He does seem as if he wants to get himself out of Bayern um, by all accounts and the reports that we've seen during the winter transfer window. Um, I do think he has been one of our weaker links, especially in our back four. So I am am I'm of the opinion. of It's obvious that both Sula uh, and Luka Hernandez possess way more pace than he does, and I think either of those two uh, should be the center backs that are... Um, you know, playing instead of him. You know, whatever it is that the back line is going to be, um, and I do personally think that naturally once uh, either Hernandez—I believe Hernandez is scheduled to come back from his injury before Sula—so when either of those two come back, I, I do believe once those two have enough minutes under their belts and are ready to be reinserted into the starting lineup, if and when Flick makes that decision, or if it even—if it even is Flick, or if perhaps we have a new manager at this point. You know, that natural progression would be to just uh, push Alaba back out uh, to the left-hand side. Because just imagine Alaba with Davies playing ahead of him, all the pace and the overlapping runs that they could, um, you know, interlink. And thinking of back to the days when we still had Franck Ribéry and Alaba, they really enjoyed their, their interchangeability and their overlapping runs. You know, perhaps that's something that we could see, especially you know, if Coman's not fit, if Gnabry plays on the right, the other side, and Continue plays in a deeper role in the midfield and not out wide left. Uh, so there's a lot of options there. Uh, but That was a great question.
0: So that's going to wrap up the segment Ask BPW as well as the episode. So thank you very much for submitting your questions. Be sure to continue submitting them using the hashtag Ask BPW. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tommy adams 71 And you can find the latest and greatest German and Bayern Munich soccer content on our website, BavarianFootballWorks.com. So from all of us here at the podcasting division, thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and... Follow us and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content, and until we release our episode of Der Ausblick this coming Saturday, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.